much. Uh, there were some announcements scrolling. They will also be scrolling during our fellowship time. So you, you will uh, be able to take a look at those and even take a picture if you need to. They're also going to be in our newsletter. But uh, just remember that next Saturday, next Saturday at 6 o'clock, next Saturday at 6 o'clock, they're going to be on vacation. I'll see what they're going to miss. I know, I know. They're going to be on vacation. See what they're going to miss. They're going. We're going to have singing with Bonnie English and family, and then we're going to have spaghetti supper afterwards. So if you have not made plans to be here, then um, then you need to rethink because we had a great time last time, and we're going to have a great time again. So invite people to be here, please. Invite people. Also, the month of um, August. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> the month of July. I'm wearing away the time the month of july is uh, toiletry items and the month of august is school supplies so if you're getting stuff early grab your school supplies they're starting to go on sale now i'm seeing all these back to school um, advertisements lord help us so we will be uh, we will be gathering those things also any shoe boxes or any money that you'd like to donate for the calls we will appreciate the joy club uh, their plan is to soon and very soon uh, the the senior adult camp meeting is going to be at the lake harvest church on august 1st at 10:30. so leaving here around 10 yes so leaving here around 10 and going to the uh, and it's just a few miles up the road if you are interested um 60 and older 60 and older come on and enjoy yourself with the joy club and the very last <laughs> the very last thing is that uh, on the on the first sunday of august we'll be having our first sunday meal bring an item that begins with the first letter of your first name so i think i'm going to bring something with jalapeno that's right yeah so anyway, if you need any inspiration, we were talking about it last Sunday and just trying to throw out some things. We can think of a lot of different types of desserts. Sister Vicky, if you're having trouble, vanilla pound cake, Shane's voting for that. But whatever, whatever. You just, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll, so we'll, we'll see how creative everybody can be and, and get that going. So any other announcements, we will certainly let you know. This... <laughs> Last Sunday, you know, y'all know it was raining and and gross. Well, Shane had very kindly uh, taken Gracie out to her car with the umbrella and and got her in the car, and he got me in the car with or he was trying to get me in the car with the umbrella, and and I had my pocketbook and had another box in my hand, and of course I had my crazy old shoes on, and he he opened up the truck door. And I stepped up onto the running board, and it was slick because it was wet. And my foot slid. And he was trying to catch me, and I grabbed a hold of the uh, I grabbed a hold of the seat. And so all I'm trying to hold my stuff. I'm trying to do all this, and <laughs> the struggle was real. I did not fall, thank goodness, but it, the struggle was real. And the next day, I was really sore. All through here, I hit my leg on the door, and I, I have a bruise on my leg. And, and throughout this whole week, I've had, you know, a pinched nerve and all this kind of stuff because of 
that slip. And I thought about the fact that last Sunday when we were talking about sins and transgressions, a transgression means a side slip. And how how tough it can be on us. Just a, a side slip that if we're not careful, we can really hurt ourselves. That if we're not if we're not careful of how we're living, if we are not staying as close to the Lord as we should, if we are not under His umbrella, then we can very easily sideslip and really hurt ourselves. So I encourage you today uh, to to get closer to Him, to stay close to Him so that you do not slip. Amen. Let's stand this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to have His will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your goodness, Your mercy, Your blessings and grace. God, You are good to us. Lord, You are better to us than anyone else has been and anyone could ever be. Father, I thank You for Your help and Your health and protection and Your strength. God, I just thank You and I praise You that You are good to us all the time. God, I, I thank you and I praise you that you have brought us into your house today. And for those who are not able to be here for whatever reason, if they're watching right now, I just pray your strength and your help in their lives. God, give them your, your help and your anointing. God, I just ask that you would have your will and your way in everything that is said and done today, from the very first prayer to the very last prayer, that you be lifted up. God, we understand that we are not here by accident. We are not just here to fill the time, but we are here to honor and please you in all that we say and do. God, I pray that we would be acceptable in your sight. We thank you. We praise you for all that you do and all that you are. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, today, grab out your hymn book. That's right. Yes. Grab out your hymn book. Page 94. Yes, we got them up there. The Lord has been so good to me, he said, my captive spirit free. Old things have passed away, all things are new today. He gave me life for past old dim, oh, how I've changed since I found him. I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. I'm in a new world, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new ever since that happy day. Then he opened up my blinded eyes, and then I had a great surprise. I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. While traveling down this sinful road, I had no friend to share my load. I wandered here and there, yet no one seemed to care. But when I knelt that night to pray, I stepped into a brand new day, and I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. I'm in a new world, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new ever since that happy day. Then he opened up my blinded eyes, and then I had a great surprise. I'm in. A new world since the Lord saved me. I can't explain the way I feel. There's not a doubt. I know he's real. There's glory in my soul. The hallelujahs roll. Though earthly friends may turn me down, I still retain the peace I found. Cause I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. I'm in. A new world, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new 
ever since that happy day that he opened up my blinded eyes and then I had a great surprise I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me I'm in a new world old things have passed away behold all things are new ever since that happy day and he opened up my blinded eyes and then I had a great surprise I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. Amen. Three hands. Be free from your burden of sin. There's power in the blood. power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider than snow. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Since things are lost in this life-giving flow, there's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the your king. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the
the precious blood of the Lamb. Sing it one more time. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Sweet, he is so
conversation that will follow that let us do at least two people Jesus cares about you he loves you he's interested in you he wants to help you he oh I'm feeling a little bit churchy in my sanctified soul hallelujah where I might could jump over the church if Tony will go with me hallelujah glory glory Mm. Praise the Lord. Let me just take a moment before I go into other areas. Let me take a moment to say to you that um, you need to consider to bring something on the first Sunday meal that begins with your first name, the letter, first letter of your first name. Now, for me, um, it will be uh, liver and onion because my name is Larry. Liver and onions and lasagna maybe. Well, Lisa has the same letter in her first name, Lisa, and so she might would want to bring lamb chops and lobster. Praise the Lord and amen and amen. Now, Sister Shuggy, I think maybe when the word gets around, Sister Shuggy, your first name is a D, Diane. But we've got other, your first name's not Diane? Well, that's what we know you by. It, it's what? Tressa. Okay, something with a T. I was going to say, if it's a D, then you might need to use the S or Sister Sugar, but use the T. Bring something that begins with a T. What food begins with the first letter of your name and bring it on first Sunday meal I'm looking forward to it praise God hallelujah my wife has cooked uh, some uh, steak what is that cube steak and we call it country style or whatever you call it and she's put it in crock pot and gravy this time it's liver folks 
okay? So just letting you know liver and onions, but I'll tell you how much can I eat, and I want a lot of liver and onions and gravy, a lot of gravy, because I like that best. The Word says in Psalm 19 and 14, a verse that we have uh, memorized and we can quote it. It said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, let everything that I think about and everything I say be acceptable to you. Boy, that makes me feel good too. Like jumping over the church. Hallelujah. God is good. He is so wonderful. He is so blessed. Praise God. I almost want to sing the song we sang it all hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like Him. Amen. But let us do say, all of us, in our hearts, God, make me a blessing. Let me be a blessing to somebody. Let me touch somebody's life in a positive way. Jesus Christ touched this life in a positive way back in 1966, I believe it was. Woo! Mm. 1966. Praise. Sister Sugar said, I wasn't even born then, brother. Yes, you was. You was born. Oh, sh <laughs> hallelujah. But the Lord saved me on a Wednesday night. Isn't that unusual? On a Wednesday night. I made my way to the altar, and I gave my heart to God. He changed my life. He changed my thinking. Amen. He changed me, sanctified me, filled me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And, and we need to understand um, there is a difference of having the Holy Ghost whenever salvation comes to your life and being filled with the Holy Ghost being engulfed, baptized, oh, covered, over, in and out. Whoo, don't it feel good? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I love him because he's looked after me for all these years. He's made a way. And there's times when I'd come to crossroads and didn't know what to do. Uh, oh, Sister Wanell, and and the Lord would show me which direction that I needed to take. And I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you, Lord, for all that you... And the puzzle, I speak of that sometimes. It's like God just puts that piece where it belongs, and then after a while another piece goes where it belongs, and, and after a while you're saying, Oh, God, you just made a way, didn't you? Lord, you helped me. And I thank God for that today. Amen. Anybody else that might would brag on the Lord just a little bit, Praise God. Thirteen years ago, amen. Hallelujah. On a Wednesday. Sister? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. God has done a good work. I, I tell you, I still feel good in my sanctified soul. I still feel like jumping over the church. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Shane had mentioned that uh, the Lord had saved him 13 years ago and gave him a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. Praise God. And it reminded me that my wife said this morning after uh, I fixed her breakfast, well, I mean I bought her breakfast, <laughs> And, uh, and and she was saying as she was going back upstairs, I'm going to go get pretty or try to get pretty, and I believe she succeeded. I'll tell you, she did a good job. Hallelujah. Uh, did a better job than I did. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But I do have a pretty tie, though. Amen. Praise you, the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Sister Julie, God is good. Good. And we are praying for your family. And of course, you'll mention that again in a little bit uh, whenever we take prayer requests. Oh, you want to praise the Lord? All right. Uh, you'll mention that again later. Praise God. I tell you. We must depend upon the Lord. Cannot do it on our own, but we must. Oh, and David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And then when he said that, a couple of verses later, he's, he invited others to help him when he said, oh, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name. Church, let us exalt the name of the Lord. Oh, let us praise his name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. I just hope and believe that, that those of you that are watching can feel this same spirit that's in the place this morning. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for your testimonies and thank you for your worship. And now we ask you to uh, put on the other hat. Brother Mike is still not able to be here. His wife is not doing well at all. And so we need to pray for them, of course, too, brother, whenever you come for a request. But uh, so I will receive... Uh, or pray for the offering and ask you to give as God has spoken to you. Sister Sugar is coming. She's going to wait. Uh, brother, brother Vic usually calls when he's not going to be here, but I don't know what's going on. Oh, you've talked to him already. Okay. Then my wife said she had spoken to him, so um, hopefully all things are well. <clears throat> Father, we love you for this opportunity that we have to give in this offering. God, we give because we love you. Oh, Lord, we give cheerfully because we love you. All that we have belongs to you. You've given us that that we, oh, we thank you, Lord. Praise his wonderful name. And now we ask today that you would accept our love gifts.
as we give cheerfully and we bless the Lord with this. And God, use it for your glory. May all good come of it that you please. And we ask these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Worship and giving. When there's no one else I can turn to, who am I going to talk to? When nobody wants to listen, who am I going to lean on? When there's no foundation stable, I go to the morning. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. It's time to receive prayer requests this morning. We do want to pray for Brother Mike and Sister Dean that they get to feeling better and pray for Brother Vic and his family. Amen. Brother Mike. Josh, can you and you said your niece? Denise. Okay, I thought I didn't know. Let's pray for Denise and Josh, please. church pray for um, Denise and Jim and their daughter and, and the neighbors who had a kid come back home. Sister Judy.
face this should you just church pray for sister judy's daughter and her sister that all goes well sister shuggy medicine works the doctors can administer what they need to fix her and heal her pray for her anyone else sister Vicky yes let's pray for Martin sister Vicky's son if that's if that's it uh, unspoken requests raise hands stand with me as we take these to the Lord please addictions are
Time to fellowship.
mouth and let's scrolling. So, yeah. All sorts. And when you start thinking about all the different things to announce, and it's got a bunch of stuff. So uh, while we are, you know, any time that you have forgotten, they uh, right there on the, oops, on the slides. And uh, for our newsletter, if you have not signed up for our newsletter and you'd like to, just uh, send me your, just hand me your email address, and I will be happy to put you on the email list. I'm sending it on Mondays, and um, so I hope that, <laughs> and I can, just letting y'all know, I can click, I can look on there and see um, how, well, not who has, but like if you vote, if how many people have opened it, and how many people have looked at the the song or whatever that I've sent. Y'all click on it; it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> so anyway, if you if you are not on our email list, please do uh, give me your email address, and I'll be happy to put you on there. And and we'll just just something encouraging every every week. I hope it is, and more announcements and that sort of thing. So anyway, we have been talking about grace. The grace that we discussed last week was our invitation to come before God with expectation, to come boldly before His throne, and we discussed last week that we are seen but still invited that God knows who we are on the inside he he sees our hearts he knows our weaknesses but still he asks us to come boldly before his throne and that we must not waste the audience that there was no other time in history that we were allowed to come before a king and there was no other time in religious history that we were allowed to come into God's presence but through the blood of Jesus that was made possible and that we need grace to frap us up if you don't know you need to go back and listen to last week's because that that hit me that grace is there to frap us up if you, if you don't know again go back and watch <laughs> it was it blessed me thank you Lord we have seen that God's grace is never ending that his grace extends to every person who has lived, is living, and who will live. His grace covers all of my past sins, any sins that I commit, and any sins that I will commit. He has grace to cover that if I ask him. And that we can't even fathom this level, this amount of grace that is never-ending amount of grace from God. But what about when his grace is abused? Certainly, we'd never be guilty of such a thing, abusing the grace of God. But the believers in Rome may have been, so we're going to look at what Paul said to them. I'm going to be in, in Romans chapter 5 is where we'll begin. But we're going to listen to the warning that, that Paul gave to that particular church Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Rome it's it's thought that Paul never had been to that particular church that somehow the church had been established by other believers but he had heard about them and he wanted to give them some encouragement he did that with a few other churches that he would send them some encouragement say here's some theology for you here's some some things that you should know about God so he was not writing to correct any specific church issues, so we're not going to see that particularly in the book of Romans. But it's just a lot of different kinds of theology. Very, very heavy in theology. A lot of things that we see in our own theology currently comes from this book of Romans. So he presents to them 
this idea of sin and grace. And at the beginning of chapter 5, he talks about the love of God, that he sent Jesus to die for undeserving sinners. One of the, one of the best verses in, in the whole Bible is uh, Romans, we're not going to read it, but Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that he gave his love to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ was willing to die for us. And that's, that's just such a beautiful idea, a great truth that we see. We see through this chapter the idea of justification, that is to declare innocent. That we were dead in our sins, but we were when we came before the righteous judge, he declared us innocent because of the blood of Jesus. We see in this the the term reconciliation, which means to change mutually. So I change from sin to salvation. God changes from the enemy of my sin to my personal Savior. Also, atonement is seen in this in this chapter, we hear it mentioned here. Atonement meaning restoration, the exchange of death for new life. So we understand that the original sin in the garden allowed sin to enter the perfect world that God created. God knew that it was going to happen. He realized it was not a shock to him, not a surprise. He saw from the very beginning what would happen. That's why Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So God had a plan before man even sinned, that I'm going to send my son and he is going to die to redeem mankind. So God instructed Adam, brought him into the garden, and he said, you can eat of all of this, but this one tree you can't. So Adam knew what he was and was not supposed to do. He knew that he should have directed his wife that way stuck with her if he thought he was, if she was going to really have these issues, wife problems, you know. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about today. But, but because Adam was led astray by deception and his own desires, sin began to be passed down generation to generation. Before, man was in a perfect state. He was, he was completely holy because he was like God. But because of that one sin, we are now born as sinners. We now have that, that seed of sin within our hearts. That when we're born, that we are inherently sinful. That there is something within us that desires to sin instead of desiring to do good and to do right. And that we have to have repentance. So the law was given. It wasn't the right time for Jesus yet. So the law was given, not to erase sin, but to point it out. That though sacrifice covered the sin that man had committed, it could not eliminate it. Because that blood wasn't perfect. It wasn't a, a once and for all kind of blood that was shed. So all throughout the years, thousands and thousands of years, the sacrifices had to be made but by God's mercy. He allowed that to be the system that the people could use so they wouldn't just die in their sin. But he had a plan that Jesus would be the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for us. So we see in verses 18 through 21 of Romans chapter 5, we'll, we'll work into uh, chapter 6 as well, but starting there, in verses 18 through 21 it says, Therefore, 
therefore meaning in light of all the things that that we have just heard therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous moreover the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord there is so much here so much to unpack so he says by one offense the sin of Adam and Eve's disobedience brought the condemnation of all people just one sin that one act of disobedience brought sin to the whole entire world but through one act of righteousness what Jesus did that we can be justified this word here means acquitted given the gift of life without deserving it that I stand before the righteous judge God guilty of sin guilty of so many things but he says you're justified you're acquitted you can go be free so one act of disobedience this word means inattention so it's not necessarily that that he was Adam or Eve they were wanting to be deceived trying to be deceived but they just weren't paying attention they were just they were not walking circumspectly they were not realizing hey I could be easily deceived I can stumble easily I need to pay attention to where I'm going what I'm doing I need to be thinking about how I'm living but that one act of inattention made us sinners and Jesus act of obedience here meaning submission can make us righteous or innocent holy in God's sight when the law became known to people they realized how sinful they were the word abound it says that that the when the law came that sin abounded it wasn't that the law made people sin more and more that that's not what he means here he means that once the law was known we realized how sinful we were I, I wouldn't know that I was Paul said I wouldn't know that coveting was wrong but the Bible said not to covet I've been wanting people's stuff this whole time I've been jealous I've been grasping at things that that don't belong to me I didn't know that that was wrong to do until I saw in the law it said do not covet I'm like oh golly I've been doing that so the law didn't make us more sinful the law just pointed out the sin that we had committed the word abound used to describe offense and sin here means to do or make more to have over and an overabundance the way we would think about the word abound so where where sin did abound sin hath reigned the the law entered and offense abounded it just means to make more of but the word used to describe grace he said but where sin abounded where sin made more grace much more abounded and this word is 
to superabound. It's almost the exact same word in the Greek that Paul used in Ephesians, exceedingly abundantly above. That where grace, oh excuse me, where, where sin had, had been more, grace was exceedingly abundantly above what we needed to cover that sin. That's what God does because when we sin, when we do wrong, when we upset the, the holiness of God and we ask for forgiveness, that, that grace just pours down more than we can even contain. So then he says, Sin hath reigned unto death, but grace reigns through righteousness. So who have I chosen as my ruler? When sin reigned, when, when it had its rule, when it was the king, my only outcome was death. The only outcome of sin is death. It may feel good, it may look good, it may sound good. The only outcome of sin is death. But when grace through righteousness, now this was powerful when he said in verse 21, he said, so might grace reign through righteousness. Now that, to me, was great that he said that. Because it is not mere grace. It's not just God showing pity on us. It's not just what we talked about a few weeks ago, that, that grace is lenient and grace with no truth. But this is grace through righteousness. So this idea here, it's, it's not just God allowing me to do what pleases me and having grace on me. Okay, just go do whatever you want. That's fine. You come on right back and here's some more grace dumped on you. But no, this type of grace leads me to righteousness. It leads me to do the right living. That's the kind of grace that needs to reign in my heart. The grace of righteousness. I have eternal life by Jesus because I'm following the direction that God wants me to. So what does this mean in my life? Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 6 say, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So Paul is saying to them, So should we keep on living a sinful life so that grace will abound? I'm teaching you that where there's sin, there is also enough and more than enough grace to cover it. But does that mean that we should sin so that grace keeps covering? God forbid. Paul wants his readers to understand that just because the grace of God is super abundant does not give us the right to abuse or take advantage of it. Yes, grace is available. Yes, it is extended to us. Yes, any time. And I, I, I believe this. Any time that we need or ask for the grace of God, we can and will receive it. But that does not give us the right to abuse it. 
if we have died to sin, we must understand that there is not any life in that existence. There's no more life there. Why do I keep going back to a place that there's no life? It says, if we have been buried, symbolically, of course, buried in baptism, that that signified death to the old me. And Sister Wiseman was talking about being baptized in the river that cold Easter day. <laughs> and that when we are baptized, and if you've never been baptized, you know, we'll give you the opportunity, not right now, but <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give you the opportunity. We'd, we'd, love to, we'd love to baptize you if you'd like to be baptized, but but there's this, there's this symbolism that occurs when you're baptized. That you are put under the water. You are dying to sin. And that then when you come back up, you're raised. It's symbolically raised in new life in Christ. It's so beautiful. And at this time, and in other cultures even today, baptism was something that was so powerful in their lives. If someone, all those who came to John the Baptist for baptism, that was them saying, I, I'm leaving this old life. I have made a decision. Yes, I, yes, I have accepted Jesus into my heart, but, but I've also made this decision to show the whole world that I don't plan to ever go back. And when Paul is saying this to these people in Rome, he's operating under that same assumption that they have received baptism and that they've said, I'm done with the old stuff. I'm done. I don't want to go back there again. When we were in India, they they did baptism. We watched them out in the uh, out at the in the Bay of Bengal, down in the south in the southern uh, southeastern part of India. And Jyoti told us that the people who receive baptism now they have lots of converts there. But that those who choose to receive baptism, the percentage of those who stay within the church and stay living right was in the 90% of people who would, like, who would say, when I am baptized, this is a symbol. This is sh showing to the world that I have, been, I have been dead to my sin. I've put this old life to death and I'm raised back to new life in Christ. So, Again, he's operating under this assumption. If you've never been baptized, again, you're welcome to be. But he's saying there is death in that life, in, in that type of living. We shouldn't go back there anymore. If we have died to sin and then been raised up from the dead by God's glory along with Christ, we have been given victory over sin. Verses 4 through 6 say, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve We should now walk in the newness of life. There is a renewal, a freshness. 
that is given to us when we accept Christ into our hearts. There is a union being planted together. When you plant something, it's buried beneath the ground, just like in death. He said, we are planted together. A hole was dug. It was planted. The seed was covered up by the soil. And now, new life springs out. Just like in resurrection. He said, we're planted together in Christ, and new life comes out of that. Our old self, <laughs> our old self, our old man is crucified with him. This word old means worn out, antique. Our antique self <laughs> was crucified, put to death on the cross so that the body belonging to or ruled by sin will be rendered useless. Do we, we believe that of our old life, that it's useless. The way that I used to be is just useless to me anymore. And that we would not anymore be enslaved by sin. So I have a choice. Verses 13 and 14 say, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under law, but under grace. And we hear this, and we're so excited, and yes, not under law, under grace. But again, what does it mean? That we must not present our physical or mental faculties as tools of unrighteousness to commit sin. No part of me should be given over to my sinful nature. I'm in control of myself. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, I'm in control of myself. Well, I just couldn't help myself. Well, <laughs> you need to rethink some things. If you just can't help yourself, you might be a slave to something else. I'm just, I, hey, I don't know, just saying. I must instead present all my available resources to God as one who has been resurrected so that I can, through God, accomplish righteous living. I choose to whom I yield myself, either sin or righteousness. That is my choice. Sin cannot have authority over me unless I surrender myself to it. When I have accepted Christ, now before I accepted Christ, I was a slave to sin. I had, I had no choice. I had to serve myself. I had to serve what, what evil Satan wanted me to do. I had to do whatever, even though I thought I was doing my own thing. Nope. I had to serve sin. I was a slave. This word to serve here earlier means to be a slave to. So whatever sin told me to do, oh, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds fun. That sounds like it'll be pleasurable. Go do that. I had to do what sin said because I was a slave to it. But once I have been buried to that old life, resurrected to new life, sin has no more power over me unless I surrender to that power again. 
There is victory through the resurrection of Christ. I am not under the law of sin and death. We're no longer under the law but under grace. I am no longer under the law of sin and death. Nothing can make me sin now that I have been raised to new life. Nothing can make me sin. So when I'm in traffic, and somebody cuts me off. I'm, I'm, I don't know. And somebody cuts me off. And I act in a way that will not be pleasing to the Lord. Whatever that may be. And I say, well, I just couldn't help it. That's a lie. <laughs> and then I've surrendered myself again to the power of sin and death. I do have the power... <laughs> to submit myself to God, resist that temptation, and then it flee from me. God didn't put them ugly words in my mouth. <laughs> God didn't make me raise that finger. I'm just, I, I'm just saying. I am not under the power of sin anymore. I don't have to be. It's a choice that I make to surrender myself back to that life of death I live under grace and if I remain submitted to this grace it will keep me from sin Christ came to make me different I recently heard of a post that troubled me it was on Facebook I don't have the <laughs> I don't have the demon Facebook if y'all I had a two-day experience with Facebook just recently, but that's a whole other story. But I heard about a post that was on Facebook that said, following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. I'll say that again, because hey, it sounds very encouraging. Blessed. Oh, I'm enough. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. Not so. <laughs> this is clearly refuted in Scripture numerous times. It's, it's refuted in Scripture in this very chapter. Yet some will claim this in order to remain unchanged, to continue sinning and allowing grace to abound. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use you as an example, because I became a Christian when I was seven, and mom picked on me that I hadn't sinned very much, that you knew of, but Shane and I were talking, and I don't even remember what the particular situation was, but this was just this past week, and he said, um, he said something about needing to do such and such, whatever it was, because that was the right thing to do. And I said, yes, baby, you're so, you're, you're just doing the right thing. You're so honorable. And he said, I try to be. You know, I just try. And he, I said, um, yeah, that's great. He said, but I wasn't always like that. I wasn't like that a long time ago. I tried to get over on people. You know, would try to do whatever it was to please himself. But that's what God does. Because it changes us. Accepting Christ as our Savior changes us from who I was 
dishonorable, selfish, thinking only about myself, want greedy, wanting on, only the things that I wanted to please me, to doing the right thing, no matter who sees it. <laughs> this is who I am now. That's the beauty. If, if Christ didn't come to change us, what's the point? Why would he even have to die if he didn't come to change us? If he didn't come to deliver us from the sin and death and darkness? There would be no point in Jesus dying if we're not going to change. How can I know that I am choosing to abuse God's grace? You say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm sure I'm not. There are a couple of questions as I was reading through here. Just a couple of questions to ask yourself. Number one, are all things new or basically the same? Are all things new or basically the same? If you are living the same way you lived before Christ, you might need to examine your heart. Or if you keep wanting to go back to that, if there's still something that's mm, pulling me back, pulling me back, pulling me back, I might need to examine my heart. Because yes, there's grace to cover if I do go back, but why do I want to? What is it there that I feel like will satisfy me more than God? Each of us, even the best and most moral, were slaves to sin. Even me at seven years old was a slave to sin. And each one of us has a different thing that makes us a slave. Okay? Um, if you want a list of sins, you go right back to Romans chapter 1. He, he lists a bunch of them. I'm not going to, I know me, and when I was <laughs> when I was younger, and I would hear a preacher, not necessarily dad, but whomever, you know, they would list some sins. Ah, oh, if you're doing this, you're a sinner, and if you're doing this, you're a sinner, and all this. And I would, I would like mentally do a little check. Nope, nope, nope. And I'd feel better about my again legalism, um, and I'd feel better about myself because he, you know, the preacher didn't mention what my sin was. Like, oh God, must be doing good. <laughs> but we know. We know the things that pull us away from God. Okay. So without even a list of it, if I am if I am actively and habitually participating in, looking at, contemplating things that are offensive to the holiness of God, I am sinning. And I know what that is for me, and you know what that is for you. And again, if you're looking for a list, plenty of times, plenty of times, Paul especially goes over lists of things. It's not an exhaustive list because there are sins that we can't see. You know, there's, there's pride in our hearts. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. And nobody can see that. But there's sins nonetheless. We want to glorify the ones, glorify, uh, we want to uh, throw stones at, you know, magnify the the badness of sins that we can see well, that person's a murderer shame on them that person's a thief shame on them but the things that we can't see will keep us from God too if I claim to be a believer and continue to do the things 
take me away from God, I'm abusing grace. God forbid. God forbid. The grace is still extended. God still loves me, and he will take me back every time that I ask him. He will forgive me. But if I keep going back, there's no reason for it. I need to receive deliverance. And and deliverance is possible. But if I keep on and on and on, I need to receive deliverance. The second thing, am I living under the law or under grace? Living under the law cannot rescue us from sin. It can only point out the sin. Again, that idea of legalism. I know what all the sins are. I can tell you them in alphabetical order. That's just being silly, but I'm saying we we have this list in our mind of all the different sins. That may not happen to y'all. Again, y'all might not have been nearly as legalistic as me, but like, okay, mental checklist. Have I done that today? Nope. Have I done this today? Nope. Have I done this today? Nope. Have I done this today? Yes. Oh, man. Lord, forgive me. Living under the law is a cloak of condemnation. If I'm only living under the law, I'm just fearful of punishment. That's what the law does. It could not forgive my sin. It could only punish me for sinning. So if I'm living under the law... I'm saying, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And then I go right back out and I do it again. And I'm more entrenched in shame and the guilt that the enemy can throw at me. That's what living under the law is like. That I won't even come close to God's throne because I'm so ashamed of myself. A cloak of condemnation. Living under the law says, I know this is wrong, but I want to. I want to do this. I need to do this. I'm going to keep on doing it. Living under the law does not bring any freedom. And and before, you know, before we throw our shoe at whoever, I don't know if y'all have done that before, but I know I have. That there have been times that I've said, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it. Whatever it may be. I know this, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I want to. And God still loved me. And if you're watching and you want to throw your shoe at me, that's fine. But God still loved me, and every time I, because I would ask forgiveness, and then he'd forgive me and put grace on me. But that's no way to live. That's no way to live. To keep doing it. God, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then, oh God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. That's no way to live. That's grace abuse. But when I give my mind and my body as tools of unrighteousness, I have become a slave. I have put myself under the slavery. Sin has dominion over me. But if I'm living under grace, the grace according to righteousness, 
then I yield my mind and my body to be used by God for his righteous purposes. Living under grace is a life of crucifixion. My old man, my worn out deeds, my antique self are nailed to the cross. Living under grace is a calling to deny myself and to live to please God. Today's mantra is do what makes you happy. No, living under grace is do what makes you holy. But this should cause rejoicing and encouragement because I'm not alone. I'm not setting the standard for myself. I'm not wondering where the line is because there is grace to keep me living righteously. That's what grace is. That's the purpose of God's grace, to keep me living righteously. Not to just keep covering over every single time. Again, he will. But not to just keep covering over every single time. Not to abuse God's grace and then beg for his forgiveness and hope against hope that I haven't messed up too much and then Jesus comes back and uh uh-oh. I'm caught in my sin. What am I doing? But living under grace helps me to live righteously. The misconception about grace is that it is only for when we mess up. Not so. Grace is God's divine influence on my heart. His grace is His keeping power. Living under grace doesn't mean that I'm sinning more and more and then asking grace to cover me. No, living under grace means I have the the power through God to live right all the time. If you've been living in an abusive relationship with grace, today is the day to stop. If you're here, you're watching. If you've been abusing grace, today is the day to stop. In that cycle... We know what that cycle is. Sin, feel guilty, beg forgiveness, attempt to do better. Sin, feel guilty, ask forgiveness, try to do better. Sin, Israel was in that cycle. Today's the day. Jesus died to give us freedom from abusive cycles. So ask yourself, are all things new or basically the same? And am I living under the law or under grace? As the music plays, wherever you are. And you may be here going, oh my golly, that was a, that's a message for somebody else. And that may have been. But God's word doesn't return void. It accomplishes everything that he intends for it to. So if you, if you think that's for somebody else, you can send this to them. <laughs> I know for my own self. I've lived in that type of cycle before. And for whatever reason, there was something that I wanted more than I wanted God. For whatever reason, I thought that that would satisfy more than God would. But I'm, I'm telling you today it's not true. There's nothing that can satisfy like He can. Nothing. So today, if, if you are living under grace, you're, you're feeling great about your relationship with the Lord, then I encourage you to pray for someone who may not be. If someone came to your mind 
in this and you think, oh, this person really needs to understand that God's grace can cover them, I encourage you to pray for them as we pray today. So whoever you're praying for, just, just come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy that is new every morning, for your blessings each and every day that you give them to us and we can never count them. And I thank you for your grace. The grace that covers me when I sin. That when I do wrong, when I yield myself as a servant to unrighteousness, when I, when I enslave myself, when I put myself back under the influence of wrongdoing, I thank you that I can come to you time after time and ask your forgiveness. I am grateful for that. I am thankful that through the blood of Jesus I can be forgiven. But God, I pray today for anyone who is stuck in a cycle. For anyone who's here, anyone who's watching, or even the people who are on our hearts. The people who we think to ourselves, that person is stuck, and God, please help them. And I, I pray that you would hear that prayer, the cry of our heart, to reach to someone who is stuck in a cycle. Father, I pray that you would break the cycle today, that we would not anymore be grace abusers. Father, that we would understand that there is so much more and better with you that those things we left cannot possibly satisfy. Yeah, they may feel good for the time. They may seem right. They may look okay. It may feel familiar, but that there's no satisfaction in that, but that I can come under your grace and that because of what you've done, I can receive victory to live righteously all the time. God, that your grace will cover me so that I can do right. So that I can have victory over sin. So that I don't have to be enslaved by it anymore. God, I ask you in Jesus' name to break the chains that bind us. God, to, to end those cycles. Father, for those who are here, for those who are watching. God, for any of my family, for any of my friends who are stuck in that cycle of living under the law of condemnation. That feeling of guilt all the time and not wanting to approach you. God, I pray that that would be broken today and that they would receive the grace of God to, to help them to continue living right. Father, I pray that we understand that there must be a change, that that's just a result of, of receiving you into our hearts, that I'm different. That I'm different. The things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. The things that I used to want, I don't want anymore. The, the places I used to go or the, the things I used to think about or concentrate on, God, that we would understand there's newness of life. And for those who are struggling, those who are struggling right now who say, I don't feel any different. Those who are saying, I, I've come to Christ, but I don't feel any different. Father, I pray right now a renewal I pray a resurrection into new life that they would begin to sense a change within them 
God, that you would turn their hearts to you. That there would be a sanctifying presence of your Holy Spirit to just clean us up day by day. That daily we would feel a closeness to you. Daily we would feel a shedding of who we used to be and what we used to want. And God, that we would turn our eyes toward you. But also that we would understand we are not saved by feelings. So even if I don't feel any different, even if I don't feel any different, then I know that because I have accepted Christ, I am different. Father, I just claim that victory for each and every person who's here, who's watching. That victory of new life in Christ because you have promised it, you have guaranteed it, you have said over and over and over in your word that I am a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Father God, I, I just ask that you would work and move in our lives, that we would honor you, that we would please you, that that would be our goal, to honor you. Just ask your will be done in each life, that we surrender ourselves to you now. Just thank you and I praise you, God. I just thank you. You're changing lives. I thank you that you are changing lives. That there's going to be a holy agitation. That the things we've been okay with before now, that we're going to say, no, Lord, let me get closer to you. God, that the things that we would say and do in the heat of a moment, that they would no longer be that way. God, that you would give us wisdom in that moment. God, that our old ways of reacting to things, that the anger that would come up and, and try to display itself, God, that that would be, that that would be quelled by your Holy Spirit. God, I just pray you would help us today to honor you in all we say and do. And Father, I ask, I ask God, that, that you would work in our lives and we say over your people, may Yahweh bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you and may he give you peace in Jesus name, amen